back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by community pastor Ian Simpkins as we wrap up our series, Unseen. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Well, good morning, Yellow Box. How you feeling? <laughs> right on. It is good to see you. Uh, I've actually been gone for a few weeks because I just became a new father. And uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Don't applaud for me. Applaud for my wife. If you see her, give her a hug and a Red Bull. We're both very tired. And uh, just so that you know, I now cry at everything. So that's going to be fun for all of us. Um, but really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for all the gifts and messages and meals. You all have just been really, really um, over-the-top generous and kind to us and uh, bringing home our son, who I'd like to introduce to you now, our son, Owen. There he is. During family prayer, start him young, right? Start him young. This is Owen praying, and then this is Owen um, peeking during prayer. What a punk! Already. A total punk, uh, but we, we can't wait to bring him around and for you all to meet him, and he has absolutely just changed our life, and we are so, so grateful for all of you and so, so thrilled to be back here. Uh, quick show of hands, how, how many of you here love movies? Just, that's, okay, don't lie, this is church, we can see you. Um, okay, so maybe not just love movies, how many of you would consider yourself movie fanatics? Any movie fanatics in the, yeah. Like you, okay, how many of you like maybe have dressed up in a costume or waited in line somewhere or, yeah, wow, a lot more than I anticipated. That's great. Um, so I'm curious who maybe some of your, like what are some of your favorite movies of all time? Let me start sort of in this section. Just shout it out. What are some of your favorite movies? Forrest Gump. All right. Who, who doesn't love Forrest Gump? Anyone? Forrest, Forrest just a, a classic. I saw it last year for the first time. I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry. Um, okay, how about, how about this section over here? Favorite movie of all time? Just shout it out. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, classic that I can't endorse from stage personally, but um, go see it. It's awesome. Okay, and uh, maybe this middle section, favorite movie of all time? Rocky. Oh, you gotta got love Rocky. I wonder if Sylvester Stallone will ever become an actor. That would be uh, great for all of us. Okay, so personally, one of my all-time favorites is a little movie called Jaws. Any Jaws fans? What is that reaction? I didn't... <laughs> Oh, very judgy. Um, so I, I love the movie Jaws until I saw this photo from behind the scenes. Who knew Jaws was so friendly, right? He's just like, just like a glorified taxi service bringing cast and crew throughout different places of the beach, I guess. Um, but like, so the reason I show you this is because doesn't sometimes seeing the behind the scenes of your movies change your perspective on that movie? Like, it, it gives you additional insight into what went into making that movie. Here's another behind-the-scenes photo that I really love. Um, this is from the movie Avengers, and I think that's Thor tackling Hulk, but it just, it kind of looks like he's just really mad at a beanbag chair, doesn't it? Like, he's, someone tackle that beanbag in tights, stat, like, right away. Um, or how about this one? Anyone know what movie this is from right here? Oh, nerd alert. Who said Lord of the Rings? <laughs> yeah, okay, so this is uh, Andy Serkis who plays the well-loved character of Gollum. That's right. And I, I don't know about you, but this, like, this photo might be more terrifying than the actual character Gollum. <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's not true. But 
I think that seeing behind the scenes photos is actually really helpful because it makes us more aware of all that goes into the behind the scenes, the unseen work of making a movie come to life. Good behind the scenes special effects and planning brings the movie to life. It helps tell an epic story. And I think the Holy Spirit is a lot like that. I think God is always working behind the scenes to bring things to life, to tell an epic story through you and through me. So last week, we learned that the Holy Spirit is the active presence of God in our world. Has been and always will be. The active presence of God in the world. When Jesus left the earth, he sent the Holy Spirit as the person and presence of God to not just hang out among us, but to actually live within us. That's an incredible reality that when he left, he left with us the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to talk about today. I believe the Spirit wants to tell a story through you and through me. And that through our lives, the unseen becomes seen. By the ways that we love and serve and forgive one another, this unseen God becomes visible. And you, you maybe don't know this, but each and every one of us has a part to play. Everyone in this room, you have a part to play in making this invisible God visible. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Galatia, uh, had this to say about our partnership. So he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so you're not to do whatever you want those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit now i want to highlight a couple of things there that you may not have caught in this passage paul instructs us to actively partner with the holy spirit and he uses two phrases one by walking by the spirit and two, by keeping in step with the Spirit. Now, in the Koine Greek, which is the language this was originally written in, um, that phrase there, both of those phrases, are written in what's called the continuous tense. So maybe a better way to translate it for our context would be to say it this way. Be always walking by the Spirit. Be always walking by the Spirit, not just on Sundays, not just around your church friends, not just when it strikes your fancy or when you feel emotional or during the holidays. So this, this is a, a life surrendered to walking by, walking in step with the Spirit. It's a way of life that allows God, invites God to move in and through and among us. So maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, Okay, well, that's fine, but how, like, how do I actually do that? How do I actually walk in step with this unseen God, with this Holy Spirit? But I think for starters, what we need is what I'm going to call uh, holy awareness. A holy awareness. Eyes that see that God is already at work in our midst. That he's gone before us. That he's not confined by time or space. That right here, right now, in every corner of the earth... God is moving. 
God is healing and redeeming and restoring, and we need an increased awareness of that fact. We have to pay attention to what the Spirit is doing behind the scenes. Father Richard Bohr, I think, puts it brilliantly. He said, we cannot attain the presence of God because we're already in the presence of God. Come on, that's good news this morning. We can't attain it because we're already in it. What's absent is awareness. God's presence isn't absent from us. If you're alive, if you're, you're in the presence of God, but what's often absent is our awareness of that fact. And I'll be the first to admit, I'm often unaware of that fact. You ever, you ever realize that sometimes your days are just packed so full, you have so much to do, that you could wake up, live an entire day, go to sleep without ever really being aware of God's presence in your life? I mean, it's, it can be embarrassing to admit, but that's true of me often. It's kind of like the, uh, the, the, the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. Anyone familiar with the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon? Here's essentially what it is. It's, um, you know, like when you get a new car and like you're trying to be, you know, unique with your car purchase. So you buy a certain car and the moment that uh, you begin driving it around, you start to notice that car everywhere. <laughs> Anyone else had that experience? You're like, wow, everyone drives a purple Kia Rio with me. Wow, that's I'm embarrassed to admit to you, that's what I drive. But they gave me a discount, okay? Um, It's not that there actually is more of that car on the road, but what? You're now so much more aware of it. So here here are three ways that I think the unseen work of the Spirit becomes seen. Uh, The first is called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Paul says the unseen, that we see the unseen in the fruit the Spirit produces... In our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Now, I want to I want to pause here briefly and address some of the common misconceptions about this idea of fruit of the spirit. First, um, it's singular, not plural. The fruit of the spirit. This isn't like, oh, I'll take that fruit. I'll take one of these fruits. I'll love, but definitely not patience. Right? Say, so, no. This is the fruit of the spirit of God's presence at work in our lives. But what I often find is that this passage, this idea, is taught. As if these are traits that we're supposed to like, like work a whole lot harder at so that we can become good Christians. Anyone ever been handed that particular brain of theology? Here's, here's the list. Just like really hunker down and be a better person. Try harder at these things so that God will love you. So that God will approve of you. So, so that God will have affection toward you. Nothing can be further from the truth. This fruit of the Spirit here is not a prerequisite. It's evidence of God's work in your life already. Yes, there are things that we can grow in, but first and foremost, they're evidence that God is already working in your life. What that means for us is that if we're keeping in step with the Spirit, we'll have moments down the road where we actually recognize this transformation. For you, maybe it's a moment where you realize, hey, I was, uh, I was way more patient with that person than I normally would be. Someone cut me off in traffic and I only flipped them off once. That's growth, right? <laughs> Nailed it. Maybe for you, maybe it's uh, I had more self-control in that situation than I would have a year ago. Maybe it's looking at your life and realizing, man, I'm finding so much more joy in the small things of my life than I, than I ever did. That's evidence 
of the Spirit of God working in your life, growing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. So seeing this transformation in our own lives, I I believe, is one way that the unseen becomes seen. The second way is through what I'm going to call the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. There are several passages in the New Testament that talk about these gifts. And uh, one such is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And here's what he says. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. If you're following along at home, underline, highlight, circle, star. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. And there are actually, there are multiple places throughout the New Testament that talk about various gifts. Gifts of leadership, mercy, giving, hospitality, teaching, breakdancing, things like that. There are various gifts. For those of you who are new, that last one was a joke, okay? Someone's like, I want the gift of breakdancing. What I want you to notice, though, is that Paul tells us these gifts are given for a very specific purpose. Did you notice? It says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? For the common good. These gifts are given not to like build your brand or further your fame, but for the good of the community, for the good of the family. I actually think that's a really, really helpful way to distinguish the difference between a gift and a talent. For example, somebody could just be an incredible musician, right? And they're interested in like, you know, furthering their career, launching their brand, writing and recording music, which isn't, that's not bad, right? Like we can all appreciate good art. But sometimes God will get a hold of that person, that person's heart and they'll begin to create and record and compose not for their own glory, but to point people back to God. Maybe another example, someone who has a natural inclination toward compassion, right? Maybe, maybe you're in this room, like you, you'll cry even at a commercial and you adopt every puppy that you see, right? That's just, you're wired that way. And there are a lot of people that are wired that way. But I believe the Spirit will often wire us and gift us, some of us, to be absolutely unusually merciful. This is the kind of person that could walk into like any hospital room, talk to any person, and that person will feel known and cared for and loved. Anyone have someone like that in your life? Like they just, they just see you. They see through all the garbage and all the facade. They can say it in a word and you're like, oh man, I, I just know that I'm known by this person. I know that I'm loved by this person. God has gifted people to function like that in the world. Spiritual gifts are given to build up the community. Now, it is important, though, to remember that these gifts are God-given. It says the same Spirit distributes them, which means we don't, like, work for or earn these different gifts. We don't, like, just go into a prayer closet and go, like, God, I I want to be this. God is the one who gives them, and he gives them to meet the needs of the community. Now, a really, really important way to discover what those gifts are is through a program that we have called LifeMap. Now, LifeMap, fortunately, is happening right here in this building 
December 3rd. The information is in your program. It's on the website. And it's just a couple of hours. Plus, if you register, there's childcare and food. What more could you want? But in that couple of hours, you'll discover how an extraordinary God can use ordinary people to do extraordinary things in the world. It's your opportunity to find out, okay, how, how is God gifted and wired me specifically, and then what do I do with it? How do I actually live that out in the world? So if you've not done that or you need a refresher, carve out this date, this time, right here at the yellow box, register. You will not regret it. Okay, so one more way that the, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit becomes visible is what I'm going to call the words of the Spirit. Words of the Spirit. Peter says this about the work of the Spirit among us. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, here's what I know just happened to a bunch of us. You, you just tensed up, right? Oh, he's using words like prophesy. I, I want to demystify that word a little bit. Because of the 59 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the story of the early church of Acts, 36 of those are appearances of the words of the Spirit. This idea of prophesying that we're calling words of the Spirit. Sometimes we think of like prophecy as like fortune telling or some sort of like black magic or tarot card reading. That's not what Paul's talking about. That's not what Peter's talking about. That's not what the Bible is talking about when it talks about prophecy. Here's essentially what prophecy is all about. It's about speaking words that call us back to God. That's it. Speaking words to call us back to God. So what what Peter is saying is one of the ways that the unseen God becomes seen is by people speaking words sometimes of encouragement and also sometimes of correction for the purpose of restoring relationship back to God. It's, it's not to chastise, it's not to castigate, it's not to like knock someone down a couple of pegs. It's words intended to bring greater unity and wholeness and strength within the body. That's what prophesying is ultimately about. For example, have you ever sat, maybe even in this room, and uh, like in the middle of a message or we're singing a song and it just feels like, holy, are they speaking right to me? And when I, a couple weeks ago, I had someone come to me afterwards, first words out of his mouth, he says, have you been stalking me? <laughs> and I was like, I promise you, I don't have time for that. He's like, well, that was spooky, man, because that is exactly where I'm at. My wife and I were talking about that last night. Do you know that's not an accident? It's not happenstance. Those moments where you're sitting in a room like this or maybe even just coffee with a friend and they speak something and you're like, how did they know? Those are prophetic words. Those are words meant to point us back to God. And the good news is these words aren't reserved just for like pastors and teachers. Thank God. If you're in Christ, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a new creation, God will give all of us words. Words of encouragement, sometimes words of challenge to help point people back to God. I remember before I started here, actually, um, I got to visit a couple of churches that my, my friends served at throughout Chicagoland. 
And uh, we went to one church, and how, how do I put it? It was just weird. It was just a weird church. Can I just say that? It was weird. I won't tell you what church. Obviously, it's just weirdchurch.com. It was just strange. And, and the whole time, I'm uh, embarrassed to admit this. I'm like, when can I get out of here? This is weird. Super, super weird. So I, I'm like looking for the door, and um, this like... As we're wrapping up the service, this like little old lady walks behind me, scares the heck out of me, by the way, because she puts her hand on my shoulder, and I was like, who is touching me right now? And she says, I don't mean to startle you. And in my head, I'm like, well, you already have, sister, so <laughs> what? <laughs> she said, I saw, I saw you from across the room, and I just felt clear as day, God had a word that I was to give you. And friends, she proceeded to tell me stuff about my life that I had never articulated to anybody, anywhere. Never had the boldness or courage to even utter myself. She began to say things and identify things. And she was like, I, I believe that God has given you a voice. You need to learn how to use that. And she said, I, I hope this isn't strange, but I, I really, I sense like, like a pastoral call on your life. And I said, well, I hope so, because I'm a pastor. So <laughs> fingers, fingers crossed. I think about that woman monthly. I don't remember her name. I don't, I, don't, I don't hardly remember what she looks like. But I remember that she had the courage to say, I know this is strange, I know this is weird. I feel like God has a word for you today. Do you know that God will give us words like that? Like those moments where you're like, man, I should just text so-and-so, where a name pops into your head for seemingly no reason. I don't think that's happenstance. Has anyone ever been on the receiving end of that? Where you, you're like maybe in the pit of despair or you're just feeling really unraveled and a friend, maybe a friend or relative that you haven't talked to in a while, just like, hey man, just thinking about you. I was praying for you today. And you're like, how? You're like looking for the hidden camera, right? That's one of the ways that the invisible God is made visible in our world by speaking words to one another. Now, um, I'm sure this won't come as a surprise to you, but sometimes these words get twisted. Over the centuries, sometimes these prophetic words can be abused. For example, um, if someone says, God told me you're supposed to marry me, that's not an example of a Christian pickup line, okay? <laughs> this is. Uh, I was reading the book of Numbers and I realized I didn't have yours. Use that one. That's... <laughs> applause, really, okay. <laughs> that one's for free. Um, so what I want to do to kind of close is give some ground rules for giving words and then uh, a couple of ground rules for receiving words. First, ground rules for giving words. Number one, uh, never claim the authority of God. Never claim the authority of God because, spoiler, you're not God. So rather than saying, God told me such and such, maybe, maybe start like, you know, I, I have a sense that God might be speaking this word. He might maybe lay this on my heart. Number two, words are strongest when tied to scripture. If you feel that God is like giving you a word to speak to somebody, ask him to tie that somehow to what scripture says, to what's in his word. And number three, use words to build up and advance Jesus's mission. This is how prophetic words are used in the Bible. Not to further your own agenda or your own fame or your own brand, but to invite people, to call people back to God, to join him on his mission. And here are a couple ground rules for receiving words. Number one, it's okay to be a little skeptical. Okay? Like, take a deep breath. 
It's all right. Like I was freaked out when what's her face put her hand on my shoulder, right? It's gonna be okay. It's all right to be a little skeptical, to discern a bit. But don't, don't let that keep you from receiving whatever it is God has for you. Number two, ask, is this word in line with what God's word says? It's in line with scripture. Good rule of thumb, if it contradicts scripture, it's not from God. If it outright contradicts scripture, it's not from God. Number three, ask, is this word in line with other things I see God doing in my life? In fact, it's okay if someone's sharing a word to like pray to yourself, God, would you confirm in me? Is this actually from you? Because if it's not, I, I don't want that to take root in my head or my heart at all. Ask them, like, is this, is this real? Is this legit? Is this, is this of you? And number four, ask, does this word bring glory to God? If the person speaking it to you seems more interested in like bringing attention to themselves or knocking you down a couple of pegs, there's a good chance that's actually not from God. So ask, ask that question. Does this word bring glory to God, not the person speaking it? The fruit, gifts, and words of the Spirit are ways that the unseen God is made seen in our life. So here's my question this morning. How? How do we become a community that sees more of the unseen, that has our eyes opened to the work of the divine right in our midst? When you, when you leave today, we're gonna give you a card and on that card, we're gonna have these questions. How is God at work in this circumstance? How would Jesus respond in this situation? How could I honor God in this decision? How might God be speaking in this moment? And I know that a card doesn't hold any special power, but like, you know, I would encourage you, punch a hole in it, attach it to your keys, put it in your dashboard, put it on your mirror, somewhere that you'll see it a lot. Because I'll tell you what, personally, asking these questions in my day-to-day has changed my life. It's changed the way that I see people. It's changed the way I've seen situations that I think I would otherwise ignore. And maybe this is audacious, but I, man, I I get a sense that God has so much more for us than just the nine to five 401k and then we die. If the goal was just for us to get to heaven, why would we still be here? I believe God wants to open our eyes to his work already happening in the world. Don't you want to live that kind of life? I mean, you realize that there, there's just touches of the sacred everywhere that we go, every interaction, every meal, every cup of coffee, every TPS report, every traffic jam, everything in our lives is an opportunity to point others and to point ourselves back to God, to make the unseen visible. Maybe for us, the prayer isn't, God, Holy Spirit, give us more of the Holy Spirit, but instead, Holy Spirit, get more of us. Get more of my life, more of my moments, my downtime, the areas where maybe I'm assuming you're not moving. And give me eyes to see the ways that you are working in the world. Because I believe it will change your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, for the, the gift of one more day that you allow us to in any way, shape, or form partner with you in the world. And I know, God, that there are probably plenty of us in this room that just feel just burdened, whether it's a schedule that's packed too tight or it's the bottom dropping out in a family situation or it's our job is unraveling out, whatever it is, God. 
we, we know that you desire more for us. I pray, God, that you give us eyes to see. God, through the, the fruit, gifts, and words, may we be a people who bring you close, that make you visible, that make you more known in the world, not for our own glory, but to help people find their way back to you. We thank you and we love you. We pray all these things. In the beautiful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen.